Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Why do you come to church today? Out of tradition? To praise Him. What else? Fellowship. Learn. Awesome. Anything else you can think of? What is it? Worship. Encourage people. Get into His Word. Praise God. Awesome. Well, hopefully you're here for one of those reasons, and maybe none of those reasons hit it. Maybe you're here because somebody dragged you here. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you, and you didn't want to let them down, so you came along one time. That's okay. That's cool. You saw a couple things already today. You saw the introduction for that movie. Um, I can only imagine. If you haven't seen it, it's a tremendous movie based on a true story. Then we saw some real clips of uh, the police footage trying to rescue people. There's a reason that we're all here today. This includes the pastors, the elders, the littlest child to the oldest adult. God is trying to continually pour out his love and his heart to you and me. He's always trying to do that. We shouldn't be coming to church out of just a routine. It shouldn't just be out of a tradition. Because traditions can be wacky sometimes. It can become very legalistic. And sometimes can be full of poison and some truth. I was thinking while I was watching that movie today of the ingredients that have gone on in your life and my life up to this point of our lives. All the different things that have taken place. Think about it. Think about some happy times. If you can think of a... a, Top two things, right, that come to your mind that just make you happy. Some memory that you have. And think of something maybe you're going through right now that's negative or it's hurting or something in the past that has hurt you. Understand in Romans 8.28, it says, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things. So that's part of the ingredients that God allowed into your life and my life to bring us to the point we're at today. Think about that. That's important. That everything that's going on in your life, everything that you've experienced, the things that you don't even want to remember anymore, are part of God's plan for you and for me. To make us the people we are, but we're not the people he wants us to totally be yet. We're on that road. We're on that journey. In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is alive and active. Do you believe that? Or do you believe it's just some history book alone? That all it is is words on a page, just like when you're in English class or something. And all you did, you read it and you had to memorize it for the quiz or the test. If that is true and we believe that God's word is alive and active and Jesus is the word of God then shouldn't that change our lives? Shouldn't he and his word have an impact on our lives regardless of what we're struggling with? If we have put our lives into his hands, shouldn't we see a change than we were a a week ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? There should be a change, right? And I know that many of you know what I'm saying, but maybe you're here today and you don't even understand that whole concept. That's okay. Because as long as we're staying in God's word, it's in God's word is the title of the message. It's in his word. Everything is in his word. But remember, Jesus is the word of God. When we read his word that's active and alive, we come in contact with the living Savior. One day, you and I will be face to face with him. What a day that will be. And it's a day that's closer today than any day before. I was with my brother-in-law yesterday. 
And he's told us a story of two friends. One was a great skier, downhill skier, great skier. And this other guy wanted to go skiing with him. So they went up to one of the big mountains. The one guy has never been on skis. So the guy just told him about it, what you should do, but no practice. So they get on the ski lift, and, if you, and it's a single chair ski lift. So the guy who was the pro, he jumped right on, got right on. His buddy missed it, and he goes, what am I supposed to do? He goes, well, jump on the next one you can get on. Now, my, meantime, the chairs aren't stopping. They're moving. So he's yelling, what do I do? Just jump on the first one you can and watch the guy in front of you. Do what he does. So he got on. Now, remember, the guy's never been on skis before. If you've ever skied, I remember my first time skiing. I was on that bunny hill for a good hour. Just snow plowing so I could stop, make sure I wasn't going to hit it to a tree. Well, this guy is going up on the ski lift, and they're going up to the double diamonds. They're going up to the tough hill. So he sees his buddy that's probably from about here to the back wall away get off. Now there's like three or four people in front of him before he gets off, and he remember what he said, to follow what the guy in front of him does. He doesn't know, and his buddy didn't know, that the guy in front of him was a ski patrol guy. <laughs> he worked the mountain. All of a sudden, the ski patrol guy goes into his pocket, talks on the walkie-talkie, and about halfway from here to the, where he's supposed to get off, he jumps off for an emergency call. But the guy behind him doesn't know what he's doing. He thinks he's supposed to do what he's doing. And guess what he does? He does it. He jumps off. He shatters his leg. Honest, true story. They took him down the hill. They took him to the hospital about an hour, hour and a half later. He was back in the lodge, ski lodge. His buddy had no clue, no clue what took place. His friend comes back into the uh, lodge. He sees him up near the fireplace with his leg up, propped up, and he goes, what happened to you? Now, here's a guy that had knowledge. His buddy had knowledge. The guy on, that broke his leg definitely had no knowledge. Definitely had no wisdom. But yet he followed an example of someone based on what somebody else said. Ugh! Not good. Broke his leg. But guess what's happening in our society, in our world since the creation? People have been listening to other people. And they get broken. Physically, mentally, spiritually. Remember when Pastor Joe or Pastor Paul and myself or any of the elders teach... We're teaching ourselves from the study that we put in as well as sharing that with you. Because we're in this whole life game with you. We have to apply this to ourselves too. It's not just talk. We have to apply it. We have to exercise it. We got to take the things that we're hearing. But how come there's so many lazy Christians today? Think about it. How many people are spiritually in tune with God? They don't know his word. They don't know his heart. They hear things that are, sounds good and flowery and nice, and they take that as if it's Bible. But it's in his word. Everything true is in his word, or else he's lying to us. It's very simple. Jesus has to be the son of God, God himself, or he's the biggest liar that ever came on this earth. And he can't be a good man. He can't. How can he be a good man? I don't care if he healed people and everything, but he, if he said that he was the only way to heaven, and that's not true, then he's a liar. You might be an engineer. You might be somebody that works with people. Think about building something without knowing any of the uh, plans, the foundation. But yeah, you might be here today and you don't even know the foundation of your faith. You don't know it. 
Maybe at this point in your life, you've had people throw ingredients into you to bring you to this point you are today. But it's not biblical ingredients. It's just worldly ingredients or religious sounding ingredients. Think about it. God wants to always continually work on us. It's not just once in a while. It's not just when there's tragedy. He wants to always be building into our lives 24-7, 365. But the question is, are we available to him? Are we, are we someone who's saying, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I want it. This is not, I'm not just waking up on Sunday morning because I've done it for the past 20 years. I want you to make me into the man, the woman, the teenager that you want me to be at this point in my life. But how many times do we think we have so many more years ahead? We don't. And that's the, that's the fake out. I don't know. How many basketball fans in here? Anybody watching the March Madness? That's it? <laughs> no, I don't think. Was the mic on? How many people? <laughs> well, they call it March Madness because it's crazy games if you've been watching like nuts. But guess what? It's yearly madness in our world, isn't it? It's yearly madness. It's everyday madness. It's crazy madness. It's crazier now than it's ever been before. And it's getting crazier. In your Bibles, if you turn to Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, we're going to take a look at. And remember the things that we're going through today are just more ingredients that God is putting into your heart, into your spirit, to make you the guy or girl he wants you to be. He knows where he's bringing you. He knows the finished product. We don't. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is heavy. There's going to be people saying, Lord, Lord, but God's not going to let him into heaven. Ouch. Right? But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, how do you know his will? You can answer. How do you know his will? You read his word. His word is his will. When you know his word, you know his will. When you read half of his word, you know half of his will. When you read three sentences of his word, you know three sentences of his will. How much of the will of God do you and I want to know? That's a challenge every day. Oh, but Pastor Vinny, I don't have time. What? Think about that statement. What, what a major excuse. I don't have time. Now today talk about madness there'll be guys and girls who watch four to five hours of college basketball they don't know who the coach is they never met the player they probably couldn't give you directions how to get to the place but they'll be going nuts watching this game think about that they have time for five hours five hours and we can't give the creator of the universe any time to read his word, to talk to him? That's insane. Verse 22 says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Meaning, didn't we teach in your name, Lord? I taught in your name. I was one of the pastors at Calvary Chapel in Jamesburg for X amount of years. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And then, will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These are Jesus' words. He's saying to those people who taught, who cast out demons, who did mighty works, who did good deeds, I, I don't know you. How many people in here know my full name? About as many who is watching the NCAA 
tournament today. Okay. Now, those of you who know my full name probably have known me for a while, and that's how you hear that. How many people before today knew my first name? How come? How'd you know me? Anybody? Talking to me? Anybody else? All the little skits that I do. Okay, so there's been uh, interaction, right? There's been interaction. Do you know the heart of God? Have you interacted with him? Have you got to know him? Or has tradition clouded the heart of God from you? Has it clouded you? You don't really know him as well as you should. Definition of tradition is a long-established custom or belief that has been passed on from one generation to another. Uh, Synonyms of tradition are custom, practice, convention, ritual, ceremony, observance, routine, way, rule, usage, habit. There are tons of religions that have rituals and routines. Some based in the Bible. Awesome. Some you can't find in the Bible. So the question I have, why would we as believers in Jesus Christ be caught up in rituals that are not founded in the Scripture? Just think about that for a second. Not all rituals, routines, traditions are bad. But how about things spiritually speaking, religiously speaking, Why do you do or believe the way you do? Because people are telling you? That's a garbage answer. Really, right? It's a garbage answer. It's a lazy answer. Would you trust me building your house because somebody told me how to construct something and I've never done it before? I see a couple people raising their hands, but I want to do that. Right? I want to do that. I definitely want to take the guy who broke the leg on the ski lift advice on how to ski. But yet we do that spiritually speaking. We do that with those spiritual ingredients of our lives. Who's right? Who is right? Is that religion right? Or is part of that religion right? Or is that belief system right? Or is that philosophy right? They can't all be right. In Galatians 3, 13 to 15, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. And it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, this was Paul's letter to the Galatians. And many of them knew the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, we can call them, lying and stealing and adultery and, you know, and all that stuff. And we know, I think, but I'm not going to assume it, that if we've broken one of if you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen anything, if you've done anything contrary to God's will, you're a sinner. You can't get into heaven anymore because you're not perfect. You're not perfect. But Jesus loves us so much that he came down from heaven and paid the penalty that we can't pay. We owe a debt that we can't pay. The debt is we've sinned and we can't make it perfect. We owe a debt. We owe a debt that we can't pay. Jesus paid the debt that he didn't owe. He took on our sin on himself. He became sin for us and he died on the cross so that God the Father, the perfect standard of the law was satisfied 
that we no longer have to pay the price for our individual sins. Christ took it on himself. We're accepting what Jesus did. We become spiritually alive instead of spiritually dead through sin. Washed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb being the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And as a result of doing that, making a free will choice to do that, we receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through faith in what Christ has done on the cross, rising from the dead. Sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be in us so that we can carry on here on this earth that we're pilgrims in till we go to heaven one day to be with him, to have an influence on each other and on the world that doesn't know him yet. Religion says, do this. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Jesus said, it's done. I give you my spirit now. Just walk. Follow me. Follow me. But how do we do that? How do we follow God? Well, it's in his word. Lord, Lord. Let's take a look at the word Lord. It's someone or something that having power, authority, or influence, a master or a ruler. A king, a chief, somebody sovereign, a commander. Lord, Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my commander. You're my king. You're my prince. You're, my, you're sovereign in my life. Oh, well, today, man, there's a few times, Lord, I didn't make you sovereign. Lord, I'm sorry. Just pour more of your Holy Spirit on me so I can not go back to that thing that happened yet today okay my son okay my daughter let's go let's get back up and go there's so many different religions they all have core beliefs you know whether it's buddhism or islam but when you examine these things they all they all deny the deity of jesus christ They all deny the deity of Jesus Christ. You see, here we believe in the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. We believe that. The scriptures prove it. It's in the Word. Be students, disciplines of the Word. Fill yourself with that knowledge. And Proverbs, as it says throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom comes from knowing God and fearing him. Not like fear, like you cower, but a healthy respect and awesomeness, an awe of the Holy One, of God himself. And then he gives you the wisdom to apply the knowledge that you're getting from his word. It's in his word. The knowledge is in his word. His spirit who lives in you allows you to walk in that knowledge. And that's wisdom. Where's this world heading to? What's going on in this world? It's right in our faces. Never before on the history of this, in the history of this planet have there been so many biblical factors converging. The enemies of the nation of Israel just surrounding them, ready to go right in. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Damascus is pretty much a ruinous need right now. Isaiah 17, 1. What about the one world government? Think about it. Isn't that the battle in our nation? Isn't the battle over in the European nations? Think about it. Isn't it globalism that everybody is talking about versus staying at home, being nationals? Think about what's going on. This is in the Word. Revelation 13, 
verses 12 to 18 says, and he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And this is talking about the Antichrist that will be here one day, the false prophet who will be the sidekick of the Antichrist. And then they're going to have, check this out, they're going to have an image that represents the beast that speaks. The trinity of stupidity it is. They have the Antichrist. Okay, they have the false prophet, some religious leader or religious organization. And then they're going to have an image that speaks. Now check this out. I don't know if anybody's seen this yet. This is a 17-inch statue. Okay, Deus ex machina, a god from a machine, it means. It's called Santo. That's the name of it. Standing for the sanctified thermophoric operator. And religions use robots to connect with the public. And this gentleman, Gabriel Travato, is worried about tomorrow. Or at least that's what he confesses to Santo. He talks to Santo, one of his religious-inspired robots. It's just shy of 17 inches tall. Santo resembles those small figurines sometimes you see in the Catholic Church, okay? And except this guy, Santo, is equipped with a computer, a microphone, sensors, and a facial recognition-enabled camera. Think about that. Then, and just think about the one world. Where are we heading? How's it, how's it all going to tie together? Check this out. We did this when I was teaching um, Song of Solomon a couple weeks ago. This is an AI, an artificial intelligence robot, called Canon. Buddhist robot. Check this out. It costs 700,000 pounds, which is almost 1 million U.S. dollars is now delivering religious teachings at a 400-year-old temple in Japan, and you can see the Buddhist monks bowing down to it. What has gone on as an ingredient in your life and my life over our lifetime up to this point? And this is not only for the uh, adults here that are, say, over 30 or 40. This is for the people under 30 also, because think about this How have you been uh, exposed to the technology today? How is that developing your mind and your spirit? Remember the definition of Lord. King, sovereign, master, control. It's, It's a control thing. Something is controlling or someone is controlling you and me almost through everything we do because it's, there's been an input. We react a certain way because of something that we've gone through, those ingredients. So I just pulled up different decades. Um, I think I started with maybe the 60s, with 2001 over to Fantastic Voyage, and then went to the 70s from Alien to Westworld. Down the bottom is the 80s, and the bottom right corner is the 90s. And just think about that for a second. Think of the technology that's been exposed to you and me. When we were younger, and now we're where we are now, or you're a teenager, right? Or a young adult, and think what you've been exposed to through TV and video. But remember that we fight against not physical things, but the spiritual forces of darkness that are behind the scenes. Now, that's in his word. It says that in his word. It says it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. So if that's true, there is a battle for your mind and your soul and your spirit. There is. Everything God wants us to have and know, to put into our mind and our heart and our spirit, is right here. It's right here. His word is active. It's alive. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, cuts right to the heart of everything. If you allow it, if you get into it, if you open it, it's not enough on Sunday, it's not enough on Wednesday, because the enemy doesn't stop trying to influence you Monday through Sunday for 24 hours. Every single second of every single day. Think about that. And then here, going from the year 2000 on, how many of the robots have we been exposed to? Here's some. Looks like an ATM machine on the far left. That's Bless You Too. That's his name, Bless You Too. How about Star Wars when we first saw that, right? When we were younger, all the little robots, they still sell them in the stores in Disney for a new generation. So they go to this robot, you can see a line there, and they're waiting to get blessed by that stupid looking machine. They're getting a blessing. And you can see the, uh, some people, there's a young lady with maybe her daughter or sister next to her. The middle one is Santo. Just an, and you can look this up. You can Google this. You can go on YouTube and, and watch these things. And the guy in the far right is bless you too dressed up with garments on. In Revelation 13... 15 to 17, it says, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. He was granted power to give breath to the image, image, image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Wow. That's ready to go right now. Right? Technology, that's ready to go right now. Evolutionary robot, roboticists have decided to begin teaching artificial intelligence powered robots to evolve and reproduce. Why should humans go to the trouble of building more robots when a robot could build themselves over and over and over again? These 10 points up here are some of the areas that robots are going to be used in. Look at those. Not necessarily in any order. Just take a look at those. And my question is, what happens to the people that used to do all those things? What's going to happen to individuals? However, if this is all leading to a one-world government, one-world religion, one-world economy, well, everybody will be the same. The government will take care of you. There won't be that incentive. It'll be out there. And guess what? Don't we have in our government right now those who are pushing for socialism? Think about it. All we have to do is look at Venezuela or different parts of Europe that have adopted socialism or communism and see what has happened there in their countries. A united earth, that's the plan. Globalism. Globalism is not about uniting diverse cultures. It is about destroying unique cultures outright. It's about destroying sovereign, sovereign nations. The United States of America is a sovereign nation. It's one nation under God. Not any God. It's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God whose name we know is Jesus Christ. Founded on Judeo-Christian principles. People are leaving their nations because they're falling apart. But you know what they're doing? They're coming here to bring what they had over there to here. Instead of adopting our Judeo-Christian faith, they're trying to change it. It's an enemy tactic. 
It's based on evil. It's not based on good. It's in the word of God. It's about creating a monoculture. It's about power and control for a small, check this out too, a small self-appointed elite who desire a socialist world order that only they can control. They're not going to be equal to you and I. They're going to control you and I. Often when I study scripture, I think of the Hunger Games and how there was an elite that controlled the masses. But remember the poverty the masses were in and the entertainment that the elite wanted to do, so they made it the Hunger Games. Revelation 13, 16 to 17. To receive that mark on their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You think of that one world economy. Well, you know what? You can go to Europe and use your visa, your MasterCard, your American Express. It's accepted in all over the world pretty much. It is a, a currency right now that you, you don't have to give them American dollars. You can change it. You can exchange it for their money. But if you have the card, that does work for you. It's already technologically set up. It's easy. Uh, we were in New York City yesterday. And my wife had said to me, do you hear that they're having a, um, the garment district is really in an uproar because there's animal activists who are, uh, they're going to take the fur and all the animal stuff off the garment district, and they're in an uproar. But I was just showing you this picture. We know the one, the tragedy of the Trade Center on the left, where 3,000 people were killed, Americans. You might have known some of them. I've known some people that do know some of them, and we had some friends that were in there that, thank God, escaped. But just a month, within the last month, the Freedom Tower was lit up pink to celebrate live birth abortions. So the very place where Americans were killed and a freedom, freedom tower was put up to celebrate up to birth abortions. And then it has increased since then about murdering babies after they're born since that came out. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, in 2 Timothy 3.13. In 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, woman of God, teenager of God, young child of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's all in the Word. How much of the Word do we know? Seriously, how much do we... I've never read the whole Bible. Well, I encourage you, I challenge you to do that. And if that's too difficult for you, take Psalm 119 and try to memorize, and even if you don't memorize it on day two, Take one verse a day and memorize it. Meditate it on during that day. Psalm 119. You want an exercise? You want some, an action point to do? Take the verse in one, uh, Psalm 119, verse 1. Memorize it that day. Take it with you wherever you go. Day 2, go to verse 2. Put his word in your heart. But I encourage all of you to read the complete Word of God, not just bits and pieces. I don't know if you know this guy, George Soros. He's a billionaire. Facebook is hiring him to help remove conservative content from a, the platform of Facebook. Facebook has drafted in to help a billionaire globalist, George Soros, in a bid to remove unwanted conservative content from the platform to better regulate elections. You know what the conservatives are? It's you and me. It's Bible-believing people. They call this the hate book. The book that helps people to get to an eternal destiny of heaven with the one who created you and died on the cross for you, they're calling his, that act 
and his love letter, hate. Will we always be able to meet here? I don't know. We are today. Right on, we're today. But if we can and the church is closed down, we'll have home groups. Oh, but they'll be watching the homes. Then we'll go into the woods. Oh, they might be in a, then we'll go underground. Just like our brothers and sisters that we're going to meet one day in heaven that have done that and gone to their death proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not any man or woman who are making up things as they go along just because they want money in their pocket or power or prestige or a, a placard that has their name. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour our youth. He wants to fill their mind with anything that will get them off being sober-minded of getting into his word. He wants to do the same thing with you and I through our daily things that go on. We've got to be careful. We've got to keep a balance. It's so important to know his word, to be in his word. It's alive and active for you individually through what you're going through that none of us might know what's happening in the recesses of your heart and in your mind. But he knows. He loves you. That's why he came here. This guy is a historian. He's a philosopher. I just like what he said. The general population doesn't know what's happening. The general population does not know what's happening. And it doesn't even know that it doesn't know. Think about that one, right? How many people are waiting for iPhone 11? And I'm just using that because it's so dominant. But is that a distraction? Does that keep us drunk, spiritually speaking, rather than being sober-minded and diligent of knowing God in his heart, getting to know him better? My people, the scripture says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Boy. Guy broke his leg. He was clueless. That went off that lift. He's clueless. He had no knowledge. And like I said, definitely no wisdom, not knowing how to apply that knowledge. He didn't know. And why are people, my, my people, my people, he's talking about his people, people that believe in him. That's important to see too. That there are believers in Christ that are being destroyed by lack of knowledge. Never let it be said, you or me or any of us, that we don't have knowledge of God's word. It says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being a priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Did you know that God has chosen you as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, saved by him? What does a priest do? He, he, he gives the message to the people from God. Well, guess what? All of you have ingredients in you through the years that God has molded you and shaped you, and he's doing that now. And if you've trusted him and you made him your Lord, you are an intercessor for those people who do not know him yet. You can be the one who introduces those people to Jesus Christ. And that one day, he's their Lord. We cannot be afraid to share the gospel, the good news of salvation, with, with fear or of hurting someone's feelings. We perish from lack of knowledge. The wisdom of God is Jesus the wisdom of God is Jesus Christ, none other. The Jesus Christ, not of religions. It's the Jesus Christ of the Bible. If they don't teach the Bible from cover to cover, you're not getting the whole counsel of God, and there's a pretty good chance you're not getting the Jesus of the Scripture. They might use his name, 
But it's not the Jesus that is revealed in the scripture that said he's the way, the truth, and the life. God said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Heard something yesterday that even though when people die, the music lives on forever. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't think our most popular secular songs will be rocking out in heaven. I think we'll be rocking out in heaven, but it's going to be with the greatest songs and the greatest lyrics and the greatest music and the greatest choir and the greatest time that we've ever had in our whole life. And nothing compares to what Jesus has prepared for you and me. Are you getting prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to see your Lord and Savior face to face? It's in his word. Matthew 10, 34 says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And remember, God's word is a sword. When you speak his word, some people aren't going to receive it too good. But guess what? God's word does not return void, and somewhere down the line, it's going to penetrate that person's heart to hopefully save them. Got a uh, thing about, a, we're going to close in a couple minutes here. I just had a friend of mine, and some of you remember him, Milad. If you were here, he came on a Wednesday night about a year ago from Israel. I don't know if you remember him. Broken English. Nice little face with a nice smile. Well, he's one of our missionaries. And just like three or four days ago, I got a message from him. I put it on Facebook. Some of you responded to it. He had, um, their parents' home is in the Gaza Strip, and it was bombed by Israel because they thought there were some things going on in that neighborhood. But Israel's great because they always give a warning to the people to get out. And none of Malad's family was there. They live in Bethlehem, but they were, uh, their cousin, a female girl, was living in the house, and she got out safely and all. But there's things going on that you and I don't see all the time. Our news doesn't report it. But guess what? It's in his word, and it's happening. It's happening here in this country, and it's happening over in the Middle East where almost everything that's in here talks about. Be very aware and sensitive and careful to the anti-Semites or that attitude that's coming in our country, in Europe. Scripture talks about one day, I don't believe any of us will be here because I believe God will take us home one day as a group. But there are is that anti-Semitism that's coming out. We've seen it in our own Congress. It's happening over in Europe. Terrible. Scripture talks about one day, the Holocaust will look like nothing compared to what's going to happen one day over in the Middle East to the Jewish people. Almost two-thirds will be killed through persecution. So here is as we close in the challenge today. In Luke 5, 37, 39, it says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. See the picture. Your heart, my heart, your spirit, my spirit. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're getting an outpouring of a spirit, that new wine that changes us. But the challenge I want to throw out to you and to me today is this. Is God trying to do a new work in your life through his Holy Spirit? But you're like fighting it. You're like that old wineskin. 
You know, you're stuck in your routine. You're stuck in that tradition. And he's trying to show you something fresh from his word, but you're not responding. Well, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom that comes, as we know, Jesus is the wisdom. As we get to know Jesus better, we're going to rub off on other people. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I don't know how many were here the other day, Friday night, but we have three different types of bands here that were singing Christian worship music. And boy, how cool it was to hear the different styles, but all right into the heart of the scriptures, in his word, through the song. It was so refreshing. And as we look at this, the last slide, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Remember, his will is his word. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that word lawlessness, take that word law, we're under the spirit now. And we follow God through his word. His, his spirit leads us. But workers of wordlessness, they don't know his word. That's why there's lawlessness. They don't know the word of God. Revealed to us through the words of God that he's given us. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.